It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's DDDNFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And I've got no rapping for you uh, this week. Uh, somebody might be pleased to know. Um, that went to, that went down pretty well. Pretty well. That took me a long, a long time to do. Because you hear something like that and you kind of think, yeah, it's all right. Or it's funny. Or it's clever. Or that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, uh... The dumbest thing really is me uh, sitting there for hours and days on end trying to trying to get it done. But the off-season is a, just a, a vapid expanse of nothingness. Um, so instead of wasting it and wasting everybody's time and coming on here and going, well, the, it's going to be running back by committee and talking about stuff that we don't know. Because look, we don't know who's going to make the team. We don't actually know how things are going to pan out. Um Bennett looked like a great addition uh, last year. It turned out not to be. So sometimes to speculate so far out is a bit ridiculous. Um, and that's why this like this player is going to be MVP next season. I mean, you don't know who's going to get injured in week one. So what I thought I'd do was, like I did with Ray Nitschke and like I did with all the other um, history podcasts that myself and Ryan did, I was going to bring out some other piece of business. So we have the 1919 shop. So let's say this episode is sponsored by the 1919 shop. We have some savage Packers merch there. And if you want to get your fan cave up and running for that lady you love, for that man you love, um, we have it. Um, so if you order it, we can sometimes post the same day. And if not, then we definitely post the next day. Um, so it can be with you and you can have that fun of framing it and putting it up if it's one piece that you want. Anyway, I'm not going to keep going on about it. But um i thought i'd look in I'd, I'd dig around in the shop and there's an awful lot of stuff in there that people obviously are going to know you know blake martinez uh bart star even though he's a an oldie you know people know all about him and that's that's an absolutely super rare premium item that we have in there um but one of them is paul hornung and i guess what bothers me as a packers nut and a history nut is the fact that Hornung doesn't get the praise he deserves. And I know some people listening are going to think that that's crazy. Some people listening don't know who he is. Uh, some people listening think that's crazy because they know him as the golden boy and how great he was. But for any new fans of a certain age, and I'm going to get onto an article, uh, at just one of the best articles of all time, um, when doing the research for this um, from Cliff Crystal. It's just it's, it's a smackdown of epic proportions. One thing that bothers me is, is that an awful lot that's written about Paul Hornung kind of dogs him a bit like one of the articles that i've actually seen uh, from 2012 was why he was the least deserving member of the pro football hall of fame which is just bonkers you know about a player that vince lombardi said was the star player was the best all-around football player that he ever known or coached his exact quote was the most versatile man who ever played the game and I think that's telling as well the phrasing, and I'm not going to treat this like a like an English class. Let's look into the words. But, you know, the most versatile man who ever played the game, it's like, you know, he didn't say player, it's it's man. So he's talking about his overall personality, which I get into some quotes from players that have played with him. And you can see that he was the leader of the locker room and he was the, the be-all and end-all. But it's these articles that are, you know, calling him the least deserving member, which is pretty unfair. And if you were to critically look at those articles, um, the way they're set up is solely for someone to fill a narrative. Kind of like what happens in the off season, I guess, is that you'll have people who have to come up with stuff to talk about. So they go, oh, this is why this person's crap. You know, let's dump all over their legacy. So let's not have that happen. 
So we have a Paul Hornung jersey in the shop and I thought I'd give people who didn't know about him um, some facts. So this guy, born in Kentucky, 1935. I'm going to not try treat this so chron chronologically, but what you need to know about Hornung was is that he was a standout player from way back when. So in high school, letter in three sports. Um, so he was kind of seen as kind of, you know, this freakish athlete that, that stood out. He went to college and did the same. And this is where the kind of criticism articles come in and say, oh, we played for Notre Dame, uh, you know, which his mother didn't want him. His mother, or his mother wanted him to go to Notre Dame. He was meant to stay uh, with Bear Bryant's team locally and he would have done well, but he went off to Notre Dame. But they were kind of seen as the media darling back in the day. And that's one of the reasons why some of these, you know, critiques uh, come out about him, about, you know, he was with this team, they had a losing season, and that's why he was the golden boy of the nation. But he was a golden boy for his, I mean, the guy had pedigree since high school, he came into college, and he's the only player ever to win the Heisman on a losing team. Notre Dame went 2-8 and eight that season. But the fact that this, this guy was a baller, he accounted for over half of Notre Dame's points that season. So talk about putting the putting a team on your back. And I'm going to get into a Cliff Crystal article at the end where he sort of goes through his, you know, rationale as to how important Paul Hornung was um, to the Packers back then. And not to go, because he calls these guys stat geeks, which is certainly what the criticism article does, is it kind of says, oh, look at Hornung, he was 1.94 drop percentage versus, you know, and talking about this stuff. And comparing him, because they said, oh, he was only the second best, uh, you know, running back on the team. And they talk about Taylor. But I mean, Jim Taylor was the second best running back in the league at the time behind uh, Brown. And, you know, they even compare Brown versus Taylor when the two sides faced off against, you, against each other. And they said that Taylor had the upper hand on Brown. So it depends on how you look at it. So is there any sort of indignation at being the second best on a, on a team with one of the best all time, arguably? Um. So look, at he counted for more than half the team's points and there was a guy called Johnny Majors at the time and he was the closest in polling to him and his he went um, flawless that season. Uh, but Paul Horning still ended up beating him out. So the Packers drafted him first overall in 1957. They got this like bonus pick and they got to pick Paul Horning and they went with it. Now Cliff Crystal dives into it and sort of says, why was Horning so great? Well, you see how great he was by listening to Vince Lombardi's quotes and reading his books, uh, by listening to the players that actually played with him and not looking at some like vague statage to, to crap all over his career. Um, he was a leader in the locker room. Um, yes, he was a media darling and he would had that sort of playboy image that you know, Vince Lombardi famously said to him, you want to be a football player or a playboy? And he said, I want to be a playboy. And he never thought he was going to be a football player. In fact, he, you know, he went to, he was good in high school. He was good in college, never really saw his pro career as something that he was going on to do. He majored in business, went on to be a very successful businessman, uh, but ended up having a pretty savage uh, NFL career, but only when Vince Lombardi came to town. So he's played a fullback first, and then he went to halfback, and his career kind of took off. But, um, you know, looking at some of his stats, uh, nine-year career, 4.2 yards per carry, 130 catches, 66 field goals, and 760 points. He famously missed, I read it, didn't write it down, something like 26 field goals in one season or something. So he has that accolade too. Um, so he won four championships under Vince Lombardi. And as I said, uh, Lombardi called him the most versatile man that he ever played with. Uh, he was part of that Jim Taylor um, partnership that they called Thunder and Lightning. Now, this is another thing that they criticize him for, is that, oh, he never really carried the ball in the power sweep. He totally did. He was the main player. I mean, they'd run it from the weak side. 
Um, but they said that Paul Horning was it, and they also had this sort of, you know, running back option where he'd run it or throw it. And Hornung played quarterback when he was in college, um, because he was because of that versatility. He could run, he could block, he could throw. Now again, they point to his season where he threw a dumper load of interceptions, but that was on a team where he was, you know, accounting for half their points. Um, so he was pretty dominant. So in 1959, Vince Lombardi comes in and uh, the rest is history. Uh, then he becomes what they call a Mr. Outside and Taylor becomes Mr. Inside. So they run that, the power sweep or the Packer sweep, um, and he's meant to be super adept at blocking. Um, so, I mean, it's sort of, if you look at the likes of um, Jimmy Graham now and they talk about tight ends and they talk about blocking and all the rest, and, you know, they look at um, Graham as the, that red zone threat and that's what sort of trumps all. Oh, he's not a great blocker, but that red zone threat is crazy. Like, Hornung was a red zone threat. He was known for being ridiculous in the red zone. Um, and also, he was one of the best blocking backs in NFL history, um, certainly in Packers history. So, won four championships, led the league in scoring in three straight years. Um, it, 1960 was a 12-game season. And in that season with 12 games, he racked up 176 points. Now, as I said, Ladanian Tomlinson would go on and beat that. Uh, with 180 but I think he did that in 14 games um, and also Horning had two touchdown passes that don't get added to that 176 so again you can argue that either way um, and he also set a record in a calendar month with, with 77 points which Tomlinson also broke in 2006 damn you Ladanian um, and he got 78 so one point more um, and again there's all these stats that you can read on Wikipedia and ESPN and all these places where he's the most game of 30 plus points I can get that that's amazing 30 plus points that's insane I think he's two games and then 25 plus points you're like oh my god it's still amazing and then they go strangely accurate with 13 points I mean why not go <laughs> I mean something bigger I don't know, who knows um, so 1961 he sets the NFL record for scoring um, in an NFL championship game which James White only broke two years ago um, with the Pats-Falcons game and he got 20. So again, um, you know, one point more. This guy's stats held till 2006, they held to 2016. So if this shows you that this guy was a dominant player back in the day, I mean, I don't know what would. You, you were still dealing with games that were relatively low scoring. Uh, you know, there were some teams are pretty run intensive. So it's pretty incredible. Um, and there's a reason why he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1986. He won the league MVP in 1961 uh, only one of nine players to date that have done it the most recent being cam newton and to flesh that out for you to show you what company he holds so frank sinkwich who nobody knows um roger starbuck you know oj simpson you know earl campbell marcus allen and barry sanders so he's up there with the very best and that doesn't happen a lot if you look at when it did happen you know 1944 1961 and then Cam Newton recently. So, um, just crazy stats. He was very successful with the Packers team. Um, he's tarnished by people looking too deeply into like just strictly a stat based, and that annoys me because I do think stats matter. Um, but when you haven't seen any game film like these criticism articles, and like the criticism article even says, I don't have stats on this thing. <laughs> kind of like I don't have stats on this thing that would work against my argument but I do have stats that I pulled out on the stuff that proves my argument you know and you have to listen to Jerry Kramer and Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi and all the players that played with him to see what type of impact that Paul Hornung had now the blight on his career or the sort of the interesting things about the man himself was yes he was a playboy 
Uh, he was brought to New York by Pete Rosell because it turned out that he was betting on NFL games. Now, he took a polygraph test and that proved that he, when he said that he didn't bet on any of the games that he actually played in, uh, that he was telling the truth. So when you look at the scandal and it's, it's, it's blighted as a scandal on his Wikipedia page, you know, it's like all these accolades and then it's kind of like, oh, but he was a, you know, whatever as well. And any article that you talk about him and then up until like really recent interviews, um, I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, with Paul Horning to say he played in the 60s, you know, he talks about it still. It still gets brought up and it's kind of a blight in his career because he missed the year. And he, he credits him in that interview that it was Vince Lombardi who, you know, campaigned with Pete Rosell to, to get him to reinstate him. So he missed 11 months. So he went to New York and he even said, like, oh, it's the first time I went to New York with no intentions of trying to pick up a date. So he went in and was suspended. But to be honest, like, look, he's betting on the games. And I know that whole gambling thing is pretty serious in the States, which they've lifted now to a degree. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of betting companies get in. But he was down in Vegas or whatever. And Alex Karras was actually the main guy in that investigation. And he got done for it. And when all the media storm was coming out about it and how scandalous it was, Alex Karras, who is the famous nemesis of um, Jerry Kramer, who, when they're at a dinner, um, Alex Karras got up and said, Oh, Jerry Kramer is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, but don't take my word for it. Just listen to himself in his book, uh, which was a dig. And Kramer didn't miss a beat. He stood up and he goes, well, I'd like to thank Alex for referring to my book. I just wonder who read it to him. <laughs> so it's just brilliant. Two of them hated each other. They respected each other in the end and they became friends. Um, but he was known as kind of an abrasive character. So he got done for that betting scandal. Um, so, he, so he missed a year. But... When you delve into um, Cliff Crystal, which I'm going to take a look at now, you really see, you know, how important he was to the team and the fact that he was missing, how poorly that the team did. And and Cliff is so strong against these stack geeks, as he calls them. So let's just run down through the article. So you can find the article. Uh, it's called, Would Lombardi Have Taken Jim Brown Over Hornung? And it's from someone asking a question. Chad from Tarpon Springs says, How different would the Packers' history have been had they drafted Jim Brown over Paul Horning. To me, this is the more interesting than the 89 draft or the trade for Brett Favre than any other personnel move. So, you know, Crystal takes the kind of thing of, you know, Lombardi didn't draft him. It would have been Lyle Blackburn uh, who drafted him because he was there on the team when Lombardi arrived. And if Lombardi could have picked him, you know, would he have done it? Uh, or would the Packers have went ahead and done it? Should they have done it? But like what, you know, Cliff Crystal says, I mean, they'd done their due diligence with him and still chose him because remember um, Brown was up for the Heisman Trophy and I think he came in either fourth or sixth that year and you could see the kind of quality and the versatility that you had in a player like Hornung and he was selected first overall so you know Cliff Crystal delves into he wonders what Lombardi's answer would be and he says that it was pretty clear is that you know along with my quote saying that he was the most versatile player ever Crystal lists you know that he had a league-leading 176 points. Um, in 1960, he was the MVP in the regular season and also the NFC champ or the NFL championship game, sorry. And he said that they didn't win in 1963. And an awful lot of the coaches and players at the time said um, that it was his year-long suspension which cost the Packers uh, their third title. So then he runs down and he poses questions, let's say. He says, would Brown have been a better left halfback than Hornung? Uh, would he have thrown the halfback option, which is what I was saying that he was important for? And how did he compare to Hornung as a blocker? 
and the fourth one that he asks and you can read it it's a great great article uh, would he have been a better fit at fullback so he goes in and just says that you know brown was faster and more explosive although i question well i don't question that because that's fact but a nice little anecdote that you can read is that hornung when he went to the pro bowl went up against abe woodson in a hundred yard race who if you want to know who this guy was he set the record twice for indoor 50 meter hurdles and he's meant to be one of the fastest players in the nfl history in um his average kickoff return was 28.7 yards per return because he was so elusive and so fast and apparently hornung bet him in that race by a solid five yards so he was pretty fast but when it came to the power sweep and cliff crystal points out that in vince lombardi's book vince lombardi on football he writes that every team kind of has this lead play the main play and for them it was the power sweep but he said that the power sweep wouldn't work unless you had that um that running back half back option so where he'd either run it or throw it and he said not unless you had someone who could keep defenses honest who you knew could make that play um that it wouldn't have worked so he said although brown as he said was poetry in motion that he can't imagine that he would have had the same impact as horning on the team because you know teams looking at brown would he have been able to do uh what horning was asked to do so then in run to daylight he calls the halfback option the greatest play in football so it's again you can see all the audio of vince lombardi talking about this when he talks about it's a play that you can run again and again and again and again and have that success so Cliff Crystal rightly goes into, you know, all the important parts of making that block and how important the block is for Hornung um, to, to let Taylor run to daylight. Uh, but also just how important it was that, you know, Hornung's intelligence and instinctiveness to make that play. And then, you know, Cliff Crystal goes into uh, a guy called Buddy Young um, who talks about when Brown and Taylor went up against each other. And th- this is kind of like what I was saying earlier, where Taylor would almost show up Brown in some of those games. And then comparing, you know, would he have had that success without Hornung blocking? And also, kind of that it's no shame that Hornung was second best uh, to Taylor if you were to take them purely on who was the better back. Um, and then all these quotes that uh, Cliff Crystal has collected is fantastic just on who Hornung was as a person and how valuable he was to the locker room. Um, so Herb Adderley said Vince called him a money player and that he was just, and he was just that, he should have been the first player from our team in the hall of fame jerry kramer says he was always the star of our team uh, even after he stopped being the best player bart Starr, he was one of the finest clutch players ever max mcgee he was our leader but that's because the two of those dudes used to go uh, drinking uh you know paul was as good an athlete as you've ever seen um and then there's that there's a video on youtube that goes into hornung and it goes into the heisman trophy winners who were the best and Hornung gets number four. And of course you have the anoraks on there saying, oh, you look at his stats and he shouldn't be that high. He's overrated. And then you have the likes of Jerry Kramer and Bart Starr coming in and saying that's absolute nonsense, rubbish, uh, that he was an absolutely fantastic um, player and he was invaluable to the team. So Hornung is undoubtedly the golden boy um, deserved to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His stats don't lie. They held up for forever. Uh, he's an important leader in the locker room. He's much loved by his players. Um you know, so, such a great character, even with that sort of betting scandal, he came back pretty much unscathed. So, if anything else, he was the guy who uh, got conscripted or, or brought up, um, had to do his time for the US Army. And Vince Lombardi personally called his buddy old pal JFK and got a pardon for that Sunday to play in that championship game against the Giants. Hornung definitely deserves to be one of the best and it's why we stock these jerseys in the shop. Uh, just because he is one of the all-time greats and you know if anybody who sort of appreciates the Packers history um you know should definitely 
at some stage add one of those to their collection of course if you want to go down the Aaron Rodgers uh, Bart Starr Brett Favre route first but uh, let's not sort of let Hornung's name be sullied out there in the media so that's who Paul Horning was. Um, if you want to listen to any other history podcasts, you can go and hit our podcast page and also just search UK Packers on any um, podcast app and enjoy. So I've created a couple of um, playlists on there for the history stuff. The most recent one before this one being who was Ray Nitschke. Um, and it's great to delve into what type of guy he was on and off the field. Um, so um, as I keep saying every week, um, I've got some cool other stuff lined up for you and I'm going to try bringing some cool Packers content as well. Don't forget that we have the... Uh, group trip which we're having calls on uh like to beat the band lately and it's looking fantastic we've got uh 20 people on the group trip and just multiples more on the special offer trips to go see that um the packers in la and also the uh, patriots game see the two 12s face off against each other but if you're looking for the group trip experience that i'll be leading in the states and um, that's the game to go to Lambeau um, to see the Packers take on the Miami Dolphins. It's going to be an absolute cracker. So there's still time to book that trip. You can just put down a deposit to secure it and then come over with us. Um, you're not going to be alone. There'll be a massive gaggle of us um, over there. Um, and then hit the 1919 shop, hit the podcast, and basically keep Packers on the brain. So that's it for um, this week. So from myself, at NFL on Twitter, make sure you follow the group at UK Packers and get onto Instagram, Facebook, um, on Twitter to get all the breaking news and our countdown to the season and have your say on who, should, who we should be reflecting next. But until next week, it's goodbye for now.